listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it. The, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome in, everybody, to this week's Beyond the Game program, recording from the BTG studio in Rochester, New York, along with Zach Barletta. I'm Rick Benson. We're so glad you could be with us for this week's show. Sports talk without the trash talk. Check out our website, btgprogram.com, or you can give us a follow on Twitter, maybe even a like on Facebook, at BTG Program. Zach, I hope you're ready to go. I'm going to give it to you right at the start of the show, and let's get right into this week's shenanigans. All right, let's do it. First of all, This week, we found out that Indians first baseman Carlos Santana smashed a clubhouse TV last year when he was with the Phillies because his Philadelphia teammates were playing Fortnite during games in September. Truth or shenanigans, Santana's TV smashing was just good veteran leadership. You know, I want to agree, but I'm going to say shenanigans because I don't think you need to break stuff. That's relatively immature, but I get it. I I think a fiery leader was probably necessary. If you are in the clubhouse playing Fortnite, Man, how focused are you on what's going on? The game, mm-hmm. getting better. Uh, no, I, I think it's good, fiery leadership. I think sometimes you need to give a kick in the pants, but I'm not sure you need to throw things or, or smash TVs or these sorts of things. That just seems a little bit over the top and maybe a little bit immature. I like it. I do think it was veteran leadership. I do think sometimes that the the whole narrative of having an old guy in the clubhouse to be a veteran leader is – I think it's a little overdone because not every old guy is a leader automatically right. but but i do like that like letting these kids know hey this is not how we go about things this we're not going to get better if we're in the clubhouse playing video games instead of being part of the game so i actually applaud him for what he did and uh you know there's a time and a place for video games and it's not during the game number two new york giants general manager dave gettleman said this week that trading odell beckham jr was quote purely a football decision that he made because the browns Made an offer we couldn't refuse. Truth or shenanigans, Gettleman's lying. How do I? My gut says I agree. He's lying. But how do I know? You know, how do we know if somebody's lying? These guys say things and turn around and do something opposite. But I feel bad for him in some ways. Like, I'm, I'm going to ask you, hey, Zach, are you going to trade your best player uh, tomorrow? You may have a deal in place, but what are you going to say? You can't answer that question, honestly. And I know there's probably tactful or diplomatic ways to push that question off. And I I, I don't know. I really don't know. What do you think? Well, I think I'm going to say yes. I think he's lying. Be- That's what my gut says. Mostly because the word came out immediately afterwards that he had actually called the Buffalo Bills to offer them an Odell Beckham trade which when you're on the record within the last week is saying, we did not sign him to trade him, and then you called to offer him, even if it's only to one other team, that's contradictory. Brian Cashman used to do this really well, where he would say, I'll listen on any player because it would be stupid not to, but I don't anticipate trading him. We expect him to be part of the team, yada, yada, yada. I think that would have been maybe a better choice of words for Gettleman. Yeah, and you know, we live in this age where all these rumors come out, and they're pretty substantial rumors, so you know things well in advance. It's sort of irritating that we hear so-and-so, so-and-so signed a deal 
And then you go, oh, great, we got this player. And then three days later, it's in the news again. So-and-so signed the deal because it became official. Right. For the last three or four days, it's just been, you know, unofficial, but we all knew it. So we all knew, seemingly knew, that he wanted to move Odell Beckham. Mm-hmm. The Giants wanted to move Odell Beckham, but I don't. But who knows? Number three, the Dolphins signed former Bills quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick to a two-year deal to be their starter. Truth or shenanigans, the Dolphins picked the wrong quarterback to tank with because Fitzmagic will actually win them some games. He will. Yeah, he'll lose them some too, but he'll win them <laughs> some. That guy is, if he could be consistent, he might be the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah. He definitely has the greatest quarterback beard of all time. That's that's a fact. Yeah, that's not even close. But, uh, you know, I, I agree with this because you look at what he did with the Bills. Look at what he did with a bad Jets team a couple of years ago. He can be a productive quarterback. Sure he can. Um, now, he's also going to absolutely kill you at the end of some games where he throws terrible interceptions. But, yeah, I think if you're the Dolphins, I mean, you could have kept Brock Osweiler. I mean – Blake Bortles was out there. If you want to tank, Bortles is your guy. <laughs> Maybe what they wanted was just a quarterback to keep things entertaining, and he'll do that, but he will do I, that. I don't think he's your best guy for tanking. Coming up next, we'll be talking about fan behavior at games. Why in the world do people think they have the right to say rotten, nasty, horrible things to professional athletes and officials? Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, not only such a word as good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear it. That is what's happening a lot of time at sporting (laughs) events. That's coming up after the break, plus this week's Red Hawks recap and our You Like That segment that's all still to come. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. Do you know an athlete whose participation in athletics is vital to their college choice? Then consider telling them about Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We field 17 varsity sports and offer the only NCAA D2 program in Greater Rochester. Our teams have won six conference titles and reached three NCAA national championship appearances. Help the athlete you know to take their game to the next level. Visit roberts.edu. It took me a long time to be able to say Chandler has cancer because that is such a scary word. When St. Jude finds something that works well with a certain cancer, they share that with everybody. And knowing that we don't have to pay for all of the medical expenses, that's huge. We just have to worry about helping Chandler, and he's just my heart. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures. Saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program. We are truly honored. Wouldn't you say, Zach, truly honored that you have chosen to take a few minutes with us. Join us here on the Beyond the Game program, recording from the BTG studio in Rochester, New York. We're talking sports from a faith-based point of view, giving you a perspective that we're pretty confident you're not going to find elsewhere. I can remember having a discussion several years ago, a brief time on another radio program, about whether or not fans have the right to say whatever they wanted to say, regardless if they're at a sporting event. The case was being made, which I'm objecting to, by the way, that it was part of the price of admission. You could say what you wanted. You bought a ticket, say whatever you want. The absurdity of this 
particular discussion was that this person was trying to tell me that foul language would be admissible, that, and specifically that the F-bomb was in fair game. Now, I get it. He's probably looking for a reaction. He said, but his argument was that kids have heard it before, and they're at a sporting event, so it should be expected. I mean, come on. That's ridiculous. I thought it was a ridiculous notion at the time, and obviously I still do. I don't understand the mentality with a lot of people that a sporting event is a different. It's different than everyday life. You know, the people that think, well, you can't go punch somebody on the street, but on the ice at a hockey game, you could punch them. Or on a baseball diamond, it's okay to throw a baseball at somebody's face. You, if you can't do it outside in everyday life, why should it be okay at a baseball game? The same goes with language like that, an abusive language you hear a lot. Even taking the foul language part of it out of the equation, it's not uncommon to hear fans yelling the most obnoxious things at opposing, at opposing players, at referees, uh, even their own team's players. And yes, I suppose if you go to a game, chances are foul language is going to be part of the deal. But that doesn't make it okay. And later into the game, the more alcohol that gets consumed, the more inappropriate the behavior of some fans is going to get. And I maintain that there should still be an expectation that fans conduct themselves with some semblance of social decorum. I'm sure if they practiced, many of these people could indeed complete a sentence without using the F-bomb. <laughs> and have you ever noticed that for some, in one or two sentences that they use that F-bomb, that they use it as a noun, a verb, and even an adjective? Yeah. We've all seen this type of behavior at games go unchecked. Fan behavior at sporting event has caused me to rethink, really rethink when and where I'm going to go to a game. Unless you have special seating, chances are I'm probably not all that interested. Typically, unless you have some sort of suite, I'm not going to take the chance that I am going to be sitting among some barbarian nitwit whose only goal is to see how many drinks they can consume and if they can distract or engage one of the players with their insobriety. I'm not saying I'm too good to sit with these people. I'm just saying I can save myself the aggravation by avoiding it. Besides, the broadcast experience is even better. Yeah. At home nowadays, watching it on TV, mm-hmm. everything from the picture quality to the information that's shared is just superior. And you don't have to wear pants. It's a win-win. Here in Rochester, I will tell you this. Our local minor league teams do a very good job, in my opinion. I am sure that is not the case everywhere. I'm sure it is in many places, but not everywhere. Our teams, I think, do an exceptional job, providing a family-friendly experience most of the time. There are rare exceptions, and, and I suppose they can't stop everything. But I think our teams do a really terrific job, specifically Dan Mason. And the Rochester Red Wings, man, he has to be the hardest working guy in all of professional sports. I see that guy doing everything. Mm-hmm. He's done on the field doing promotions with a microphone. You know, he's given showing people around. He's, you see him constantly. There's not a I don't think there's a part of the ballpark at Frontier Field where I haven't seen Dan Mason walking around. He is everywhere. You're right. I'm guessing Dan Mason would have made sure his staff controlled that situation a week or two ago in Utah with a fan got into it with Oklahoma Thunder's uh, Russell Westbrook. On Tuesday, the Jazz permanently banned the fan over excessive and derogatory verbal abuse. Of course, Westbrook responded to that, as many of us would. And I'm not defending Westbrook's response, especially when he directed it at the fan's wife. That, you know, that, that was over the line. 
We live in an age, though, where most everything is captured on video. It's captured on camera. And sadly, people do foolish things, childish things, in an attempt to get attention, to go viral, to get on TV, whatever it is that is their ultimate goal. Westbrook told reporters that the fan had said, get down on your knees like you're used to. Maybe not the worst thing that's ever been said, but I I think still inappropriate. I mean, who goes around saying things like this anyway? What makes a professional athlete different? Who goes into the Starbucks and says, get down on your knees like you're used to? I mean, come on. Why is it okay because you paid for a ticket to say that stuff to a professional athlete? I'm sure the fan was intent on getting under Westbrook's skin because there was a similar incident a year ago during the playoffs. And as a result of this most recent incident, another fan has now been banned from the arena for his offensive and inappropriate interaction with Westbrook based on video evidence that's come out as a result of this more recent case. A fan in the stands can be heard yelling then, calling him boy. Again, you might say maybe Westbrook is overly sensitive, and and, and maybe he is, but it doesn't make it right. He would admit, I'm sure he'd admit, that as a professional athlete, he has to deal with a certain amount of this kind of nonsense. We have stories of athletes going into rival cities and, and dealing with much worse than what Westbrook's reported to have dealt with. Again, Uh, I say, so what? They shouldn't have to deal with this. Utah Jazz General Manager Dennis Lindsay has apologized to almost everyone associated with the Thunder. He's clearly embarrassed on behalf of his organization on the action of this particular immature, foolish fan. He said this, people may say, hey, whatever, what the fan said was a small thing. Well, it's not. What it does is make everyone feel small. It's unkind. It's unnecessary. It's it's ridiculous. It shouldn't have to be said. Many people are familiar, of course. Oh, he also said this. It's a talent to divide people. And this is good stuff. It's a talent to divide people. It's a special person or a special organization that can unite people and say, we're not standing for this hurtful speech. It's offensive to me personally. Good for him. Good for him. Many people are familiar with Jesus having told people to turn the other cheek. It's not an exact quote, but it's the principle he teaches in Matthew chapter 5, verse 39. The verse says this, But I say to you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. My understanding is Jesus wasn't saying you can't defend yourself if you're being attacked physically. This what That's not what this is about. The phrasing of slap on your right cheek in the culture at the time was in reference to a deep insult, something that was a significant insult. And what Jesus is saying, that in our personal relationships, when we're insulted, maybe we could just suck it up a little bit. Maybe we could deal with it in order to be the better person, to be the bigger man, and hopefully get an opportunity to let the love of Christ shine through us, that we might get an opportunity maybe even to share the gospel as a result. And I can hear it now. There are tough guys all over listening on radio saying they're never going to talk to me that way. I wouldn't let anybody. Whatever, man. I got to tell you, this goes hand in hand with what Paul teaches in Romans twelve eighteen, where he says, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Paul is reminding believers that living for Christ is in contrast to how the world lives. 
Yet, we should not be antagonistic. We should not go around looking for confrontation. And we know folks on both sides, whether they're believers or not believers, do that. If it's possible, find a way to be at peace with everybody. By the way, that phrase, if it be possible, certainly indicates that, well, you know what? It might not always be possible, but try. Do everything you can to be at peace, To even if it means turning the other cheek when you're being insulted. Live peaceably with all men, if it's at all possible. The very next verse, Paul says not to avenge yourselves. Let that to God. If you're being insulted, let God sort that out. Romans twelve nineteen says, never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. In this case, I don't know, perhaps Russell Westbrook could have done a little bit more to live peaceably with this fan, ignore him, go to the locker room, do whatever. But as sports fans, even especially as Christian sports fans, our behavior should should be an attempt to do the very same thing, to live peaceably with people, to put everybody around us at peace so that all might enjoy the game. I've been to games where games between um, Christian teams, Christian schools, where their behavior maybe wasn't all that much different from this fan here in Utah. Now, I don't know if those folks are believers or not. I, I can't say. The application still stands. And by the way, even if they are believers, we ought not be focused on fallen people. What we ought to be focused on is Christ. Don't let a fallen, sinful person, Christian or not, be what you make a determination of Christ about. And as I said a few moments ago, perhaps your efforts to help them Perhaps your efforts to get them to see the love of Christ gives you an opportunity to to share Jesus with them, to tell them what that difference in your life is. Maybe you've responded poorly in the past. Maybe you've gotten upset. Maybe you haven't done all that you could do to live peaceably with all people. We're all sinners. But have you ever done anything about your sin? Have you ever gotten with God and sorted that thing out and made it right, sought his forgiveness. Without forgiveness of sins, we're all facing the wrath of God. We're all separated from him forever. That's what hell is. John 3.36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Jesus paid the debt of our sin with his death on the cross. His death was a sacrifice for us. He gave his life to pay for our sins. And then he rose again three days later, proving that he had the power over life and death. And God offers his love. He offers mercy to every person. That free gift of eternal life is available to anybody willing to accept it. Heaven is there. It's a free gift. But he asks that you admit your sin and that you seek his forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Pray to God and admit your sin, admit your guilt. Tell him that you believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried, that he rose again for you. Ask God to forgive you and ask him to help you repent from your sin. You know, being forgiven is wonderful, it is, but what God really wants from us is to see us repent, to turn around, to go in a different direction, to change our lives. I can ask you to forgive me time and time again. But when I change my ways and stop doing that thing, which I need to seek forgiveness of, 
That's when our relationship is going to grow. That's when you can tell my heart has been changed. Sure, I may still mess up, but my efforts show a repentant heart. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If we can help, let us know. If you want to know more information about what it means to be a Christian, you can visit our website. You can also send us an email through our website. It's btgprogram.com. Maybe you're even ready to place your faith and trust for the very first time in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Reach out to us through our website. Once again, it's btgprogram.com. We're glad to have you with us. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. I'm safely in the arms of Jesus. Held like a mother holds her Looking back on the week in Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics, this is the Red Hawks Recap for the week covering up through Wednesday, March 20th. The Red Hawks Recap is being brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. At the NCCAA National Championships last Saturday, both the men's and women's basketball teams fell just shy of their ultimate goals. The Roberts Wesleyan men's basketball team had to settle for second place after falling to Cedarville University 64-58. Junior Gene Toussaint finished with a double-double, 15 points, 11 rebounds, while fellow junior Justin Vaughn had 14 points. The Red Hawks finished the season with a 16-14 overall mark and a second-place finish in the NCCAA National Championships. The women lost to Grace College on Saturday, 68-62, in the third-place game of the NCCAA National Championships. Junior Emily Miller led the Red Hawks with 19 points and 10 rebounds. Roberts closes out the 2018-2019 season with a 15-17 overall record. In its first East Coast Conference matchup of the season, the Roberts Wesleyan men's lacrosse team lost to undefeated Mercy College on Saturday, 9-6. Senior Cody Menzies led the Red Hawks with three goals. The Roberts Wesleyan women's lacrosse team is off to the best start in the school's program history, improving to 9-1 overall and 2-0 in the ECC with a 21-3 win over Queens College last Saturday. Nine different Red Hawks scored at least one goal in the win, led by junior Jessica Jean Curcio with six points on three goals and three assists. Juniors Emily Knight and Megan Burnham, as well as freshman Ellen O'Neill and Emily Tomei, each scored three goals apiece. The women's tennis team defeated Franklin Pierce University 7-0 last Friday before bowing to Southern New Hampshire University 7-0 on Saturday. They then bounced back on Sunday with a 7-0 win over St. Anselm College. No home games for the Roberts Wesleyan athletic teams in the week ahead, though I do want to point out that the women's bowling team will be competing in the ECC Championships in Reading, Pennsylvania this weekend. If you can't make it to the games, you can always follow the action at their website. It's robertsredhawks.com. There you'll also find scores, you'll find highlights, much more. And, of course, you can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Red Hawks Recap presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. We're proud to be a serious athletic school with great opportunities for serious athletes. In fact, we have the only Division II athletic program in the area. Our many varsity programs range from basketball, tennis, and cross country to track and field, golf, volleyball, and soccer. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Hey, it's Zach. 
If you're a fan of unsolved mysteries, mythical monsters, murder whodunits, or just podcasts in general, check out my other show, the Myths and Mysteries Podcast. Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination, chupacabras, serial killers, and more. You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play or on our website, mythsandmysteriespod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries podcast, and we'll see you next time. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. While at our website, you could subscribe to our podcast, have it downloaded automatically, just as people do all across the country and all around the world each and every week. This week, we say a special hello to Alhambra, California, listening into last week's program via our podcast. You know who was born in Alhambra? I have no idea. Frank Pastore. Okay. Maybe it's Frank Pastor, my apologies. I, he was a pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds, and I remember him, but although I can't remember how his name is actually pronounced, I think it's Pastore. He was hit with a line drive, shattered his elbow. He made an amazing comeback, though it was very brief with the Twins. He ended up in Christian Radio, doing one of the most popular Christian talk shows there was out of uh, KKLA in Los Angeles, the Frank Pastore Show. He wrote a book called Shattered. I read the book. I read it twice. It's a fantastic book. Shattered, struck down, but not destroyed. I highly recommend it. He tells a salvation story, tells the story of coming back from that injury. Interesting. Frank Pastore, thanks for listening in Alhambra, California. Wherever it is you're listening from, we thank you as well. Time to close out this week's show with our You Like That segment. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 says, let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. In Hershey, Pennsylvania this past week, prior to a Hershey Bears American Hockey League game, four-year-old Landon Mack sang the national anthem in front of 10,000 people. He certainly dressed apart, looking dapper in a white button-down shirt. He had star-spangled Banner suspenders, a bow tie, not to mention shoes, which lit up and had stars and stripes on it. The kid looked the part. A video of the performance has gone viral. In fact, he appeared on Fox and Friends TV program this past week, gave a repeat performance. Four-year-old. Four-year-old Landon Mack's performance of the national anthem is what I like like this week. What I like this week was a story out of Yankee Spring Training. Zach Schwartz, a make-a-wish kid with leukemia, met Yankee second baseman Glaber Torres before one of their games this past week. 13-year-old Zach asked Glaber to hit a home run for him. Uh, this, as the story goes, Glaber winked at him, didn't say anything, then went out and hit a home run in his first at bat of the nice. game. So Glaber Torres hitting a home run for a make-a-wish kid is what I liked this you week. Like Well, that's our show for this week. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Beyond the Game program. We invite you to tune in again next week as we continue our conversations, mixing sports and faith. In fact, next week will be our Major League Baseball preview show. (laughs) This program is only on the air thanks to the very generous support of our listeners. It's because of your prayers and your financial support that make the Beyond the Game program possible. And if you'd like to have a part, please visit our website, btgprogram.com. Dot com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at this same time. Be bold 
It'd be great this week, everybody. <laughs>